Welcome to Crossroads. Thank you for being here on this um, slightly hotter than normal uh, weekend that we're experiencing. Thank, thank God for um, comfortable facilities that we get to be in to worship together this morning. Let's go ahead and start with some prayer. God, thank you so much for this, um, this body, this church here. You've uh, established yourself as its head. Uh, we understand, God, where we are in that as arms or legs, or maybe we don't understand uh, where we fit in necessarily, but there's a governing structure here, God, and within the church, and that is, that is you. Uh, and then we each have a part to build each other up, to love each other, to be knit together. And that governing structure also exists out in the family. There's a governing structure here in the world, God, that we fall under. And all of those things uh, have their own places, and all of them really play within uh, have interplay as well. So, God, thank you for um, what we're about to hear this morning as you, you uh, bring your truth to bear on the things that are on our hearts and minds so that we can interpret them properly, so that we can have a right interpretation of things and be a better disciple of yours uh, through the words that we'll speak this morning. God, just help this message in this time to build us together um, and for us to then be able to be a light um, in, a, in, in the darkness uh, in the world around us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This 4th of July, in the midst of backyard barbecues, long parades of marching bands and waving flags, firework shows that burst above baseball fields, in the wide open skies of cities and celebration, I stop to thank God for my beautiful country, for people who dream big, for leaders who work towards change, for communities that serve well, for the freedom to pray and worship. This 4th of July, as I stare at the glittering sparklers and smell hot dogs and barbecue, I stop for a moment and I thank God for a country that I love, that celebrates good and works toward the better. Yeah. It is easy to get bogged down in the negative, and, and we're going to talk some negative tonight, but we want to start by just pointing out that, and reminding everyone that this is the greatest nation in the world. Currently, we have more freedoms than anyone else. We have wealth beyond anything that can be imagined. Uh, we have a, the ability to serve, to love each other, to reach together, to have worship together, freely, choosing where we want to worship and how we want to worship. This is a great country, and we're going to celebrate the 4th of July. It's interesting that uh, the United States has been in existence 247 years. Uh, interesting thought, little factoid. Uh, if you're familiar with Cal Thomas, uh, one of the best-known journalists, he wrote a book in 2020, and the whole premise of the book is that great civilizations, starting all the way back 
uh, Babylon to the Assyrians to Greece to Rome to Great Britain. Each of them have an ex expiration date of 250 years. So his prognosis in 2020 is that we have three years. Is that true? I don't. <laughs> We're going to continue until God says don't continue any longer. So our hope is not in dates or places or things like that. The hope is in God, and that's actually the point today that we're going to be talking about. And we are going to be talking and finishing the book of James. We've been talking for about nine weeks. It's the real deal, how God deals with us. This is written by James, the half-brother of Jesus Christ, who ruled, ruled, it's not the right word, who led the church in the early uh, times after Christ was, was raised from the dead, the church launched itself out uh, on the day of Pentecost, and it grew and it grew, and James became the leader in Jerusalem. Uh, so we've been reading his letter. Uh, it starts, James, <laughs> the servant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ, his brother. And today we're going to look at one verse, and I thought it was appropriate for Fourth of July. It says, uh, my brothers, if any of you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, letting know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. And uh, there's a promise there, individually and personally, that, that we as followers of Christ, if that's your calling, if you know Christ and are walking with him today, we have the ability to call people back. We, we can point out Christ. We're going to talk today, a main thrust is that the changing of our nation resides with us to change the nation one heart at a time. But also, in, in that message, in this verse, it's there, wandering from the truth. I don't think it's new data. It's not going to surprise anybody. Uh, as we look at what's happened to our country since, actually, World War II, and we'll kind of pick up our date from that time forward, a uh, great nation came together in a revival during the 1930s <clears throat> as a result of a depression Coming out of the roaring 20s, we turned from God. Uh, families moved back together, celebrated Christ. Really, there was a spiritual revival during World War II. We won that war, but then we started to spiral down. Uh, in the 1960s, they were rioting in the streets, marching in the streets. The gov actually, the stand of the government was at question because of peace marches against our country. Uh, tens of thousands fled our country so they wouldn't serve in the military. Uh, but during that time, and this is, this is critical to us, specifically to parents and those raised in that age, we changed the school system. We're going to focus a lot on that today. Uh, during the 1960s, we felt it appropriate because of a small, less than 2% of our population that were atheists that said God should not be in school. So God was taken out. Prayer was taken out. The Ten Commandments were taken out because they were way too strict. The Bible was taken out. Uh, all Christian religions were taken out. Instead, they were replaced by another religion called secular humanism. So since 1960 until today, our nation in each graduating class has graduated with an understanding uh, that there is no creator, that were random accidents on a process that has scientifically been disproven called evolution. 
and the creator is gone, individual rights and personal truth were taught that if we feel that it's true for us, it's true and no one can tell us that it's not. So today we're, we're actually going to pick up this kind of concept of calling us back. It's, it's July 4th, what an appropriate day to do that on as a nation, to turn and to say, okay, let's look at where we are and where we wanna go. Uh, just some background, two nations in the world have been founded and established specifically by God. They're, Others, obviously, every government, every leader that's ever put in place that's in authority is allowed to be put in that place by God or ordained by God. There's two nations that were specifically started and founded on God and God's word. One was the nation of Israel. And so uh, Abram, who became Abraham, he says, go from your country uh, and, and, and your house and everything that's there. I'll make you a great nation. And you will be a blessing to the world. People bless you, they'll be blessed. Nations bless you, they'll be blessed. Nations that curse you will be cursed. And we talked about this to, at some detail in our Sunday school class today because we were covering Abraham. It turns out that's a true statement. We, we looked at the number of Nobel Prize winners uh, that have taken place uh, in the last 20 years. 22% uh, of all Nobel Prizes were given to Jews where at the same time, Jewish population in the world is 0.02%. In other words, insignificant numbers of people are bringing in almost 25%. They're blessing the nations by their wisdom and by their endurance, if you will. But the nation of Israel was founded by God. And it has existed. It was uh, conquered in 70 AD again and the people scattered, there was no way they could become a nation again. The greatest miracle in my lifetime, and this will start to tell you how old I am, uh, was in 1948, when Israel became a nation again. May 14, 1948, uh, Israel became a nation. We, as a school in San Diego, California, Spring Valley, we had an offer, they took up money to plant trees in Israel because the Muslims had denuded and cut down every living thing in Israel as a punishment to that land. So we planted trees and it changed the water cycle. I could go into that. But Israel as a nation is now this, really the focus of the world. We talked today uh, again in the Sunday school class about the number of condemnations and, and how the United Nations continues to condemn them uh, in, in, in disproportionate uh, to what they are. But it's a nation that's established by God. And oh, by the way, that nation will exist till Christ comes back. That you can count on because the Bible says they're in place and they will stand through a tribulation period. Everyone will be attacking against them. Christ will come back to not Washington, D.C., not Sacramento, at Flash, not Ridgecrest. Uh, <laughs> going to come back to Jerusalem and he's going to put his foot on the Mount of Olives and he's going to establish a kingdom here on earth for a thousand years. He'll rule and reign. Uh, he is coming back. So the nation of Israel will continue to exist through that. Now our nation was also founded by God. The founders of our nation, you won't hear this today in classrooms. You haven't heard it for probably 60 years. But the founding fathers were 
biblical Christians. 47% of those who signed the Declaration of Independence were committed biblical Christians at that time. 37 of them were pastors. Uh, believing in God and believing that God had ordained this nation to become free and become his instrument. But here's, here's God's words that he spoke to our founding fathers. We hold these truths to be self-evident. But all men, listen to this, we take this for granted. We have heard this so often that we don't understand that other nations of the world, they don't hold these beliefs. They don't hold the beliefs that, that from God, all men are created equal, endowed by God, recognizing the creator uh, with certain inalienable rights. They cannot be taken away. Uh, the rights uh, that among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the government, the only purpose of government in the United States is to secure us those rights. At such time, our government decides not to secure those rights. We put ourselves in jeopardy of God's approval. And, oh, by the way, uh, just on notice, this a creator has been removed for since 1960, actually from 1925 with a Scopes trial, uh, from teaching our kids that there is a creator. A false theory has been put in and taught our kids. I could spend the rest of the time on that. Uh, it's endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The creation of life at the moment of conception has been challenged by the courts, and for 60 years we've had 50 million babies die denying that truth inside our nation. It is time, and this is, I'm not, we're still the best nation in the world. We should be proud of what we have, but as citizens and Christians in this country, we should be doing everything we can to turn this nation back to God. And actually, that's what today's about. So buckle up, and uh, let's talk about God's plan. This quote by Patrick Henry, this give me liberty or give me death, firebrand of the uh, civil, the uh, war of independence says, cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this nation, and, and he was there, he's a signer of the Declaration of Independence, uh, this great nation was founded not by religion, it's not by these people with general ideas, but by Christians, by Christ's followers, not on religion or form or works or anything, but on the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's on Christ that this country was founded. Christ, who says it's salvation, you know God, you, your sins are forgiven by faith. He says, uh, that, because of that and that reason alone, people of all faiths have been afforded freedom to worship here. Christians are not afraid of other religions. We're not afraid for Muslims to build mosques. We're not afraid for each of the, the teachings that go on from all Hindus. That's, we're not worried about that because we're right. <laughs> is, <laughs> is that arrogant enough? But it, we're the only religion, truthfully, uh, approach to God that's based on facts, historical facts, scientific facts, histor all the things that are available that take place. We don't have to worry. So, so we certainly can open it up to everyone else. Even in the culture before the woke movement, which tries to cancel out everything that's happened before us, uh, as, as a nation, we were founded on Jesus Christ. But us, like Israel, like every other nation in the world, goes through a cycle. 
And so I, it, you pick up anything. I think it's important that this is the cycle that takes place inside of a nation can also take part and place in a, in a city, in a church, in an individual, in a family. At first, it starts out at a time where we're in the right place with God. The nation, when we were founded and, and, and God was, was solid inside of us, there's peace and prosperity. Our nation prospered in ways you can't even understand. And then uh, I'm reading, by the way, the book of Judges in the Old Testament. This cycle is, is almost on rapid replay. Uh, and then people get peace. We don't need God anymore. And we start wandering from God. Apathy sets in. It's called lukewarm. It's called we honor God with our lips, but our hearts are far from him. We say, yes, God founded our country, but we don't acknowledge him as that. We acknowledge there's a God, but we, he, we don't serve and follow him. Apathy, compromise, open rebellion. We start taking on sins and paganism that were pushed out by Christianity when it came. You know, one of the things I... I, I there's a book, and I just, Return to the Gods, was based on the concept that uh, when Christianity came in, pagan worship was pushed out. Uh, at the time when, when it came in, they were sacrificing infants, uh, babies, to God, and they, they, they cast that out. That didn't happen anymore. Sexual immorality, false gods, idols, false worship uh, that were taking place at different places. Sexual revolution, homosexuality inside the Roman Empire, as was in every empire before it fell, became prominent and almost controlling inside the culture. This cycle that takes place of uh, rebellion, paganism, then God says, okay, you've chosen to reject me. I'm going to bring corrective discipline, loving corrective discipline it can be in the, in, in the thing of, it can be famine, war, plagues, slavery. Then when the pain gets high enough, this happened in 29, uh, in the crash, and we went into the 30s. Several revivals have taken place in our nation uh, over the years where we've strayed from the truth. We come back to the truth. God restores us. We, uh, God hears the prayers of a faithful remnant of people, a small group who hang on to God and start praying. And they not only just pray, not only just pray, but they pray and they do more than that. They tell other people. Then we confess our sins one to another. We pray that we can be healed. And this comes from James. That prayer changes things. Let's, talk, let's take a look at what changes because it talks also uh, on the next slide, we're going to have an opportunity uh, to, to point out that God is never mocked. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. If, if a nation or a person sows whatever, if you, we sow to the flesh, if we kick God out uh, and we bring the flesh and evil things in, uh, we're going to get the results of that. And if you can't see it in the news today, you're not looking. Suicide rates, uh, mass murders, uh, rebellion across the board, drug addiction, food addictions, uh, whatever one sows, he's going to reap. If you sow to the flesh, if you sow to your own human nature, you're going to get corruption. But if you sow to the Spirit of God, you'll reap eternal life. Don't grow weary at doing what is right. 
Christians today is, a, is really a small segment of, of our culture. Don't grow weary. Be the faithful remnants that there. Confess our sins one to another. Pray for one another that you can be healed. And here's the hope. We did this last week with prayer. The prayer of a righteous person has great power. As Christians honestly turn to God and, and start seeking him, there's a transformation that takes place. Don't be deceived. In each of, these are strong words. God will not be mocked. If we kick him out of our schools, the devil comes in with his false teaching, his lies, and, and corruption to our kids. This is the reality that we live in. Now, what was the reality, if you will, that was taking place when Christ came the first time? He brought a message to change the world. He started at this time. Israel, by the way, was at the lowest point of Israel. A couple of years later, the nation of Israel disappeared. It was sent throughout the whole world and has just been called back. But this message came, for God so loved the world. The disciples of Jesus Christ heard Jesus speak the words, and, and he lived it out. God so loved us. He loved each person. He loves me, loves you. He loved the disciples. He, this message is so unique that, that God loves us just as we are. He doesn't want to leave us there. But God loves us to a point he sends Christ while we were sinners, while we were far from God, that we would not perish, but we can have eternal life. Jesus didn't come to judge and condemn. He came to save. Do you know all the other gods, we work our way to them. We do this. We do that. They're capricious. They do what they want. They're demanding. Our God says, I, want to, I, I offer you grace, freedom, eternity, all at once. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned. But if we choose to reject Jesus Christ or to remove him from our lives, we're condemned already. Light came into the world, but people love darkness rather than light. You know, Jesus set up a kingdom here, a spiritual kingdom of God. Now, problem that we continue to try and do as human beings is we try to, we as want to establish some kingdom here on earth. God says, Jesus, when he was there, he answered, he says, uh, talking to Pilate, who was going to condemn him to death, you say that I'm a king? He says, yeah, for this purpose I was born. And for this purpose I came into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone uh, who is of the truth listens to me. His kingdom was not of this world. He came as a spiritual kingdom. You know where his spiritual kingdom is? It's in here. It's in each follower of Jesus Christ that's here today. There is a kingdom. It's a real kingdom, and it's ruled by a king. The king's name is Jesus Christ. He came not to set up a political world, not to set up a physical government. It's a matter of fact, we're going to see governments just exist under God's will, but they don't rule us. God does. God sets up this kingdom inside of us. And what's the rules of the kingdom? Love. It's just that simple. Not human, emotional, selfish love, but God's unconditional love that he gives to us, that he sends his son, and he asks us out of love for him. Love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, our mind. This is the great commandment. 
And because we love God and he created other people, we love our neighbor as we already love ourselves. This is a concept and a principle, again, that resounds against all the atheistic uh, and false religions of the world. Uh, Jesus says to them, uh, you'll know the seasons, the Father is affixed to his authority. He says, you're going to receive power. He started with 12 guys, a questionable group at best, if you look at their track record when he picked them. Uh, so he picked 12 guys, and by the way, at the end of his ministry, very successful ministry, it went to 12. On the day of Pentecost, there was 120. Most people with growth, growth in mind would say, that's a pretty bad showing. Those 120 people went out and changed the world. They took the message of Jesus Christ of that God loves us, God has a plan for us, and it is not by works, it's by grace, and it's by faith in Jesus Christ that you can be transformed. That message resounded throughout the whole world. Again, the, the arrogance that is set there, he says, I will fill you with power, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. That's exactly what they did. That's exactly what they're still doing. Followers of Christ are still advancing the kingdom of God, and they're not doing it in some physical... It's one heart at a time. I, there's a slogan uh, over the back counter there that says, changing Ridgecrest, one heart at a time. That's the only way it ever happens. It, it's not riots, it's not all these other things. It's one at a time. You know, for nine weeks we've looked at his plan uh, to James's plan as he oversaw the growth of this church from 12 to 120, and then to 3,000 on the day of Pentecost, 5,000 more entered with a healing that took place, 100,000. Uh, James died around 62. He was martyred. He was stoned to death by the Jews because of his message. 100,000. So now we're at 100,000 and growing inside of the Roman Empire. It spread throughout the Roman Empire. But he talks about... What, how do we deal with government? This is, this is something about James. We've looked at him for nine weeks. And you know what he said about government? Nothing. Today, we talk about government, and, and we're talking about it today, but that's not the focus. The government is a reflection of the people that are in it. We're told that the government, when, when you remove God, Israel had God as its head. When they removed it, they established a government. Uh, Moses said, don't do that, but you're going to establish a government. We have a government that rules and reigns. Now, uh, so God becomes submissive, if you will, but it feeds back and forth to the government. Uh, God is still God. He defines the, and puts the government in place. Uh, but citizens, we respond to the government. He says, let that be what it's going to be. Now, we'll talk about what our responsibilities are as, as Christians in the United States, be able to vote for that, but we're told to be subject to the governing authorities. <laughs> you didn't see the early Christians rioting, demonstrating, going on hunger. You didn't see any of that. You saw them honoring the government, paying taxes. This is written by Paul, uh, be subject to the governing authority. Now, Peter, he says, you know, be to every human institution, whether it's the emperor or supreme and governors. Oh, by the way, Caesar killed Paul. 
had him beheaded. He submitted. The, the people weren't rioting. Peter, he was crucified upside down by the emperor. And he says, the government's the government. Back then, there was no way to change the government. It is what it was. Just accept it. Now, we're, the, one of the things that we're going to see as we go along in this, uh, as we rule and we, uh, they rule over us, you know, is, is that we be subject to them, that we follow their commandments, but understand that Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. He has a spiritual kingdom that rules and reigns. And this is what we should focus on. You know, if we've been raised with Christ, if we're followers of Christ, fix our mind on the things that are above. You know, that's the promise that's given to us. Because we've been, listen, we're, I'm standing here, probably boring the socks off of you. Uh, but the truth is that we stand really, in every Christ follower here stands in the presence of God. When we pray in our family room or here at church, we're not here. It says we've been raised up with Christ. Seek the things that are above. Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on these things, not the things of earth. For we have died and we're in Christ. The gov government can't reach us where we are. We, none of that's there. Our citizenship is in heaven. We await a Savior, Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies into his. Be patient until the coming of the Lord. This is, again, Christ is coming back. There's, the, the Bible describes some often that it's like birth pangs, and men are not allowed to speak about birth pangs, so grace, ladies, please, for a moment. Uh, we don't understand any of that, but we know it hurts. And we know that we get blamed for it at some point in the process. But the truth is, birth pangs lead to birth. The nation right now, the world, is undergoing birth pangs. There are things happening that are unprecedented. The world has banded together against God as it describes that it would do uh, in the end times. People have turned, the confusion, the one world government is forming up, all of these things. We should be looking and patiently waiting for the coming of the Lord. Uh, he will come and he will set up his kingdom here on this earth. That was the approach that we do it. And, and these followers of Christ, just to mention it again, changed the world. By their testimony, by their lives, the, the premise of Christianity is that we lay our lives down. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. If I ever do anything worthwhile, it's not me. If any Christ follower here does anything that, that advances the kingdom of God, it's Christ who lives in us. It's not us. Paul says, I don't count my life as anything, but telling other people about Christ. You know why we're here? If someone could write out a mission statement, on that mission statement is we're here to tell other people about Jesus Christ. First, by our life. Our life should be part of our testimony. Don't, don't tell anyone that you're a Christian until you're acting like one. <laughs> That's the challenge. We, we live in a world where uh, we'll see in a while that so many people call themselves Christians that they're not. Paul says if our life is worth anything, it's to tell people the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Now recognize that we live in, and we'll pick this up in a minute, uh, 2023, 
where the cross, self-sacrifice, is foolishness to the world. No, self-actualization, realization, grab as much as you can grab. It's all about you, your truth, your world. And God says, no, but it is foolishness to the world that we live in. So what is expected, what happened to the first century church, and ultimately where we're going inside of a country, we're going to be persecuted. They were persecuted. They were persecuted. Blessed are you and others revile you and persecute you. Jesus said, if you're a Christ follower, you're going to be persecuted. Not, now, not persecuted for being weird, stupid, and rude. We're going to be persecuted because we're going to stand for truth. And people want to believe a lie. We're going to tell them Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And they're going to say, ha, there's many ways, many truths. My truth trumps all other truth. You know, the hour is coming. You'll be scattered. He, this is the promise inside of the world. Uh, you'll have peace. You won't have peace in the world. World, you have tribulation. Take heart. Jesus overcame the world. Have no other gods before me. No carved images and all these other things. And that includes, just get this out, political parties. Our hope is not in a particular candidate. Matter of fact, that's a fool's errand to hope that the dysfunctional government that we have going now, that any one person can walk in and make a difference. Should we vote wisely? Yes. Should we look at party platforms? Yes. We had a big discussion last night on Saturday night with questions. Yeah, we should. We should look at party platform. But more importantly, I believe that we should look at the character of the person that's running for office. If they have love, joy, peace, patience in their nature, and then th that's the fruit of a godly person. If they have division, strife, jealousy, anger, speaking hate toward the other candidates, spreading discontent, that's not of God. We're in a position as we, we can and we should vote a Christian vote in each of these areas that we can to make a difference. Um, but the truth is that we live in a time when it's going to be difficult. Where's, where's the United States, oh, by the way, in July 4th, 2023? Here's that cycle again. And here's what we should be doing as Christ followers. First, God says, and by the way, this, this, there's two verses there. There's 2 Chronicles 7.13 and 7.14. Most people, overwhelmingly, when you hear these verses read, they never read verse 13. They read verse 14. Verse 13, God says, when I shut up heaven, when I send plagues, when I send problems, when I send situations that are painful, when I, all these things are taking place, when I do that, when, I, when you have COVID, when you have debt, when you have all of these curses flowing through your country, God allows those things. But what happens? His people, Christian, Christ followers, you and me, listen to what we're supposed to do. First, we're supposed to humble ourselves and pray. Seek God's face. Please, turn from any sin in our life. The battle against sin in the Christian's life should never stop. We talk about this often. When we sin, this is rude, when we sin, Christ bleeds. 
Sin should be an abhorrence to us because it causes Christ to pay for it. Don't detach yourself from the reality of grace and forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ. There are no little sins. There are no oopses. When you avoid it, avoid it. Seek holiness inside you. Humble themselves, pray, seek God's face, turn from our wicked ways. Then God will hear you. Want to change our land? There it is. Two steps. One, change yourself. Change ourselves. Seek God uh, as we do that inside of our country. Uh, as we go forward, teach the truth. Well, what's the situation inside of our country? I'll just say this. We have made decisions over the last X number of years since early, actually, I can't even point, uh, since, since the 1950s. We've started educating class after class after class. Currently, uh, the way is very narrow. Few find it. Is the gospel veiled? Yes. Where is the gospel of Jesus? Where is the good news of Jesus Christ veiled? Turn your TV on. Look at secular. Uh, there are Christian websites, but look basically what takes place. Oh, and if you want to really see junk on parade, go to Facebook and social media. And just look at the post and the, and the heart of people flowing out. Look at the news that's there. Uh, if it's veiled, yes, it's veiled. And we'll talk about it, obviously, in our school system. Dominant worldview. In other words, how do, we talk every time in James, almost every week, we said, have a Christian worldview. See the world through God's lens. Not through the humanistic, human lens. See the world the way God sees. That's a Christian worldview. Uh, only 6% have that. But look, 6% have that worldview, but only 2% in the general population follow it. 1% if you're uh, under 30 and 0 under 20. This is not good. We have a grab bag of spiritual beliefs. I won't go there because we talk about it probably too often. But where does that change? How do we change our country? Here. Here. I, examine ourselves. We should... I, I strive... To ask God to search me, examine myself to see if I'm of the faith. Lord, is there somewhere where I'm disappointing? Is there where can I grow? Show me, please, where I can grow. Examine ourselves to see if we're of the faith. You know, we have a a a process we go through regularly at Crossroads. It's called communion. Jesus says, when you take communion, look to see if you are in the right place. When we, we warn people, please don't take communion if you don't know Christ, because that's the deception in our country where most of the people feel they're fine with Christ, but they aren't. He says, don't, don't take the cup in an unworthy manner because we become guilty of we're taking the body and the blood and in an unworthy way. So this warning to us as, as people, to these numbers that we had before, examine ourselves. We as a church, we've, and I, it's in your bulletin as we, we put together a flyer, a brochure that we, we put together at all times. It's about, uh, are you heaven ready? If you're online or if you're here, it's in your bulletin. Get copies, give to other people. If you've got members of your family that are professing to know Christ, but you haven't seen evidence in their life of Christ, tell them, hey, here's a brochure. Read it and look at it, because here's, here's the evidence when we examine our heart. If we're a follower of Christ, we have a growing love for God. 
We have a growing love for our neighbor. We strive to obey God's commandments. We desire to connect with God. Awareness of sin in our life. We should be more aware each day of, of how righteous and holy God is and striving to be there. Each one of these, and again, that's again on our church website. You, you can find that that's there. And now, <laughs> this, is the, this is what that evidence is based on. It, because God's at work in us to will and to work is good pleasure. If Christ and the Holy Spirit's in me, I desire him. I desire to read his word and to meditate on it. I desire holiness. And, and finally, this last one, I desire to tell others about Jesus Christ. I desire to tell other people about Jesus Christ. Uh, this should be, again, pop quiz. Who do you know that you should be influencing, could be influencing for Jesus Christ right now? Who in your life? We have them. If we don't, come talk to me. I'll give you some of mine. Because they're out there. Your neighbors, kids, my case, kids, grandkids, all of these to, to be able to share Christ with them and, and, and to transform them. Live the life of Christ. Again, back to this. That's what our lives is about. Don't be ashamed. We, we walk out into a world where the cross has been banned. One heart at a time. Now, this is a shift gears to parents, grandparents. Uh, our country was made for a moral people. It's wholly inadequate for everyone else. It is a duty of all nations to acknowledge God. These are the statements that our country was based on. Our kids need to hear these. They're not going to hear this anywhere else. You know, I, uh, I admire and salute people who have given their lives to teaching our kids and make great sacrifices for that. But it's the parents' job. It's not the schools. It's not a drop-off. And that, sadly, is what happens. So, so many kids are dropped off in kindergarten 13 years later. They get a graduation. They've had 16,000 hours of indoctrination. And God was mentioned zero. They were taught all of these principles that are out there. It's the parent to train up a child in a way he should go. And when he's old, he won't depart from it. You know, this folly, this is, this is totally against current teaching. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. A rod of discipline will drive it away. We're told that our kids are little deers. They're, they're just wonderful. Don't mess them up. Let them find their own way. Let them, let them grow. Uh, Jesus said, no, that's not the case. This idea of witness right at the bottom, it says a personal worldview is formed between 13 and 18 months. Worldview. How your kids are going to see the world and function in the world, by 13 to 18 months, it is almost, it, it is being firmly established. By 14, it's real. By 26, they become an evangelist for their worldview, just as you should be an evangelist for Jesus Christ in your worldview. What happens between 13, this is where I get to step on some toes, between 13 and 18 months, the most important 
parenting thing that you, that you transfer to your kids in love, in love, is that they are not in charge of the world. Do you know every kid is born a sinner? They're prideful, arrogant, demand control. You ever had one of them little critters when they went their way? They're going to drive you crazy. And when they get, and, and you see it when they start walking, toddling, and moving, and you see them dominating a room. You see them interrupting parents. You see them disobeying parents. And all the parents tell, don't do that. You see them at Walmart, the great demonstration of our parenting skills as a nation, the way they act. And again, I, I love kids. I do. Uh, but an unruly child will be an unruly adult. It's the parent job to give them this loving submission to authority. If you don't do it, newsflash, the school can't. They cannot discipline and train your children. They can't do your job. Train lovingly, first-time obedience, because that's we're teaching them how to do that. This worldview is 13 to 18 months, and it's who's in control of the house. Who's in control of the house? A, a four-year-old, are they in charge? Is it, does a teenager control the room by moods and toods and the way they're acting? And it's just this rain cloud sitting there, and everyone's afraid to say anything because you don't want to upset them. Send the little turkeys out of the room and tell their adults. Sorry, this isn't about parenting, but this is critical. Please, parents, if, this, this, if we don't teach our children who God is, someone else has been teaching them who God is. So please, I'm going I'm to make a suggestion in, in each of these things because of the teaching in the public school system as much as I uh, understand the importance of that. The truth is, parents, you're in charge. Now, I'm going to make a suggestion. It's going to sound radical to many. I suggest, if at all possible, to set up alternate education rather than public education. If you can, homeschool. We have three homeschools that meet in Crossroads during the year. Uh, there's multiple other homeschools, and, and there's many parents that have taken on homeschooling themselves. We have Emmanuel, which has a school, a Christian school that you can put kids. Do everything you can. If you don't say, I can't do that, there's, there's multiple Christian options. There's even options through the public school system in ops where you can sanitize, if you will, the education and be part of the kids growing up. Uh, please do that. Uh, get involved. If you have any questions, we have people who will walk with you through the process and give you encouragement, give you material, talk to you if you want to be through an ops program, through a, a standalone. Uh, you're going to do all the teaching yourself, or if you're going to get in a co-op of other uh, parents gathering together, those are the ones that are meeting here where the parents do some of it and the, the teachers do the rest. Stop afterwards. We've got the people that will answer your questions that are here. Several of them. Kelsey runs, runs a school uh, here. Um, the ex run a school. Uh, they're, they're here to answer questions afterwards. So 
please, if you have any questions, if, you, if that, you're not comfortable today, call. We'll make an appointment with you, with one of those homeschoolers that'll be able to point you in that direction. Uh, back to the, the summary. It starts with us knowing and loving Jesus Christ. It starts with us seeking holiness in our life, living Christ, loving Christ, and loving others, and loving others enough to tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. This country needs Christ. If it ever it needs it now, and we are the only vehicle or vector in Ridgecrest, in, in our area, our circles of influence that can bring that truth and that hope. Uh, be the hope of the world. Encourage you in two things. One, uh, we do have a study guide that comes out for Christ followers desiring to go deeper into it. Also, uh, we give these books out. They're free. They cost money, but, but each day is an example of the biggest argument in our culture. Is it creation? Did God speak the world into existence? Or are we from, you know, from the goo to the zoo to us? Is it all random accidents? Uh, evolution? It's a failed theory. And yet it's taught hundreds of hours in schools and in our public media. So if you want one, I'll give you one. Put it on your dining room table. Talk to your kids every day about it. It's a big deal. Join me in prayer. Lord, thank you first and foremost for the freedom to give the message that I just gave. Lord, that we can speak and we can talk about government. We can talk about you. Lord, we can be reminded that you're the sovereign God, that we get the government we deserve. Uh, we vote with our morality. We vote with our immorality. We vote with our worldview. Lord, thank you that we in, our, as in this country, we can choose leaders but ultimately, God, it's your church, it's your body, the church of Jesus Christ, reaching out one person at a time, one heart at a time, to spread the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Jesus here on this earth. Thank you for the incredible privilege of being able to do that. And Lord, for those who are here that have questions about you, about your plan, give them the courage to call and set up a time that we can talk. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. And thank you very much for coming. Please pick up your uh, study guide on the way out if you don't have one. And if you need a book, come see me. I have a case of them.